Oh, I love Christmas. I really love Christmas. And um, I'm so glad that you're with us tonight. I want to just take just a few minutes to uh, share with you from God's Word just a few simple things tonight as we celebrate, as we continue to celebrate. If you got a Bible, go ahead and take your Bible out. We're going to look at that little passage that Elizabeth read in Luke chapter 2, just for a few moments. Find that there's some really unique things there that I think that are worth remembering and reminding ourselves about. I think that God wants some things to happen before he returns. We're going to talk about um, those things just for a few minutes. I think that he has two great purposes that come out of this great news out of Luke chapter 2. There's 20 verses right there, and there's two really great purposes, and those great purposes are all about God's glory and God's peace. God is always wanting to glorify himself. That's his intention, is to bring glory to himself. That's why we were created to bring glory to himself. That's why the heavens and the earth were created, to showcase the essence of who God is and to bring glory to himself. And this great news is also about our peace, though. So when the angels announced this news to the shepherds, when you look at verse 11 that Elizabeth read, and pointed them to the very animal shed where the baby lay, suddenly an army of angels appear in the sky. (laughs) That's amazing to me. Evidently, one angel can bring the news, but it's not sufficient for one angel to respond to the news. Have you noticed that? The meaning of this news, the ultimate outcome of this news, demands an army of angels. I love that about that passage. You know, it took me a while to actually connect those dots. Just over this last few years, I started recognizing that. Verse 13, an army of angels really announced the meaning of this good news. And suddenly, there, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts or an army praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The joyful news that on that day, at that perfect fullness of time, in the perfect prophesied city, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. That news has two really great outcomes. I can't think of anything better to talk about on Christmas Eve than those two outcomes. Those two purposes, great purposes, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he's pleased. The outcome of this child will be the greatest revelation of the glory of God, even among the heights of heaven. And the the coming of this child will bring peace to God's people. This is what Isaiah says, who will one day fill the whole earth with righteousness and peace of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end that's what Isaiah says almost 600 years before Jesus is born the first and foremost God is glorified because this child is born so much is about Christmas that's not about the birth of the child (laughs) 
right? And second, peace is to spread everywhere this, um, when this child is received, right? These are the great purposes for the coming of Jesus. Glory ever ascending from man to God, peace ever descending from God to man. I don't know if you have thought about that, but God wants to bring peace to you, to your life, to the chaos in this world. That's, that's what he wants to do. God's glory sang out among men for the sake of his name. God's peace lived out among men for the sake of his name as well. There's hardly a better way to sum up what God's about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ except for his glory and our peace. His greatness is our joy or our satisfaction. Anywhere you hear the word or you read the word joy in God's word, you can replace it with satisfaction. That's what joy really means. His beauty our pleasure. So the point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for his glory by a peace-filled new humanity. That's his purpose. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. So in the old King James Version, right, Maybe you grew up in the old King James Version translated uh, translation of the Bible. In verse 14, the second half, it says, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Virtually all the modern translations agree that this was not an accurate translation, actually. It's not bad, but it's not as accurate. The New International Version says, and on earth peace to men on whom, he, uh, on whom favor rests. In the New American Standard Version, it says, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And in the ESV and the Net Bible, and on earth peace among people or those with whom he is pleased. Here's the point. Here's the point. That even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, only his chosen people, only his chosen people, the people who receive Christ, who Trust Christ. Trust in him as Savior. Jesus means Savior. We trust him as Savior. And Messiah, the one sent, Lord, will experience peace that he brings. There's a lot of people that are not going to be in peace. I don't want to be one of those people. You get a glimpse of this meaning in Luke chapter 10. You don't have to turn there, but there's two verses, verses 5 and 6. Jesus says to his disciples, whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. That's the offer of peace to all. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. So God's peace in Christ is offered to the world, but only the sons of peace receive it. So how do you know if you're a son of peace? A child of peace. How do you know if you're a part of the angel's promise? Peace among those or peace among people with whom he's pleased. And the answer, you welcome the peacemaker. You receive Jesus. That's how you know. You receive Jesus. 
There's, there's a lot of relationships of peace. But I want to point out just three. My deep desire for you this Christmas Eve is that you enjoy this peace. We know that there are global aspects to this peace that lie in the future when the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. When as Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. But Jesus has come to inaugurate that peace. That peace among God's people. And there are three relationships that he wants you to pursue this, uh, with this peace and enjoy this peace. Peace with God, peace with your own soul, and peace with other people as much as it lies or rests within you. Peace with God, peace with your soul, peace with other people. That's, I think, God's deep desire. And by peace, I mean not only the absence of conflict and, and animosity, but also the presence of joyful tranquility and as much witness of interpersonal communication as you are capable of. Peace. It's so good to be at peace. So I just want to look at these three peaceful relationships really quickly and make sure that you're enjoying as much as you can. The key to each of them is not to separate what the angels kept together, the glory of God and the peace you long for. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. That's what he wants. So the main point of peace, God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he's called the God of peace. You can find it all over the New Testament in Romans chapter 15, in Philippians chapter 4, in 1 Thessalonians 5, in Hebrews 13. Jesus says, my peace I give you. In John 14. And Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace in Ephesians chapter 2. So what this means is that the peace of God or the peace of Christ can never be separated from God himself and Christ himself. It can't be separated from him. He is peace. If we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives. We have to swear allegiance to Christ. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. So the key to peace is keeping together what the angels kept together. Glory to, the, glory to God in the highest and peace to man. A heart bent on showing the glory of God will know the peace of God. Showing the glory of God is showcasing the essence of who God is. It's being at peace in your marriage. It's being at peace in your family, with your children, with those you work with, with those that are your friends and with those that you disagree with. Can you imagine the United States of America just being at peace just politically? <laughs> Seems like a stretch, doesn't it? Seems like, ah, oh, I don't know if it's possible. My goodness, how could this be? How could it happen? I'm telling you, it can happen. The key to peace is keeping together what the angels kept together. The most basic need 
that we have is peace with God. It's foundational to all our pursuits of peace. We don't go here first. All the other experiences of peace are just superficial and temporary. And they don't last. He's our father. He's our friend. We can have peace. We don't need to be afraid anymore. This is foundational to all things and all people and relationships. How about peace with ourselves? You know, I find that people are just stressed out. I find people uneasy all the time, worried, depressed, just aching, trying to figure it out, just looking for answers like crazy, right? Because we have peace with God, because of being justified by faith, we can begin to grow in the enjoyment of peace with ourselves. So many people need to be at peace with themselves. I think you can do that this Christmas. You can take your anxieties to God. You can tell him. You can tell God about your anxieties. You can ask him to help you. You can ask him to protect you, to restore your peace. All you gotta do is ask. And then to use you to make peace. Man, it's easy to get turned upside down. We do it all the time. It can happen instantly. The third relationship where God wants us to enjoy his peace is in our relationships with other people. This is the one we have the least control over. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? So we need to say it carefully the way Paul does in Romans chapter 12. He says, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. It's hard to do. It's hard for me. (laughs) I can get up tight just going to Costco. (laughs) Just waiting in line. Have you ever been cut off at the gas pump? Oh, it just happened to me. Found myself kind of grinding my teeth a little bit, right? It's easy to do. You have to keep trusting God. God knows what he's doing. Do you believe that? He knows what he's doing. Keep his glory, not your success or your effectiveness in peacemaking or in your relationships. Supreme in the treasure chest of your heart when you treasure God above everything. I think it's easier to keep the peace, to be at peace with yourself and to promote peace. It's actually contagious. You know those people that you just like to be around because it's just good. They're just good to have around. They just change everything. You know, in professional sports, they pay big money for people that are great people to have in the locker room. (laughs) And they get rid of really great athletes that just create turmoil in the locker room. Why? Because when there's no peace with a team like that, you can't even... You can't win. I don't care how much talent you got, right? Isn't that crazy how that happens? And then you'll be like the angels if you live and act and try to be like this, right? Glory to God in the highest is the first thing. Peace among his people is the second thing. It says, for unto us, or unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. This is why he came. 
on a day to a city as the Savior, Messiah, and he's sovereign, all wrapped up into one, omnipotent, all-powerful. That God would get glory if we would pay attention here. And you would know peace and I would know peace. Here's my prayer. You could pray this prayer tonight. My prayer is that the God of peace would give you peace and he would get the glory. When that happens, oh, things are good. Things are good even when they're hard. Things are good when they're difficult. Things are good when they're tragic. Things are good when it hurts. And things are really good when there's a celebration and there's joy and satisfaction. Because God gets glory and we're at peace. That's his great purposes. These are great things to celebrate during Christmas and Christmas Eve. We want to take the Lord's Supper tonight. And it is our heritage, it's our tradition, just for a, just for a few moments. To do the Lord's Supper together as a family, meaning you're, you're, you're here with your friends and your family and just people, and, and, and you can collect together with people you don't even know and more family today, tonight. Paul gives us instructions about the Lord's Supper, and so... I'm going to pass on to you his instructions and then I want you to gather up his families and go to the communion elements and, and get them and then come back together and talk just a few minutes about these things. Just a real brief minute, right? And here's what you can talk about. Paul says, I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you and I'm passing it on to you just through reading what he said. He said that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. So he took bread because it was tangible. It was easy to represent something. And bread means all kinds of stuff. It means life. It means sustenance. Right? Have you ever been around bread when it's being cooked? Oh, even if you can't eat it, it smells awesome. It just smells great, doesn't it? Put a little butter on that. I feel like it'll just change your life almost instantly, right? It just smells good. You sniff that in. And just, it just, it's just good when your house smells like bread. It smells good. It smells like home, right? So Jesus took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, he has it in his hands. He's telling these guys. And, and by the way, they're not understanding everything just yet. He says, this is my body, which is for you. And they're not connecting the dots completely. And they're celebrating Passover, it's bread. And Jesus says this, he's saying, this represents me. And, and I, and this is for you. I'm for you. I'm yours. I came for you. God sent me for you. That's what he's saying. He gave thanks, he broke it, he said, this is my body. It's for you. It's for you. I'm for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember this moment, guys. What I've done. You're going to look back on this and go, oh, oh. And it's going to come together. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in the same way, he took the cup. It's a cup of juice, right? 
You know one of the reasons why we have a little outdoor cafe out here? I don't know, you might not think about it. It's not because we're just concerned about giving you coffee. Coffee's good, I need it. I got some right here. We're not concerned about your nutrition. Oh, we serve donuts too. When you put a cup of anything in your hand and you don't really, you're new here, you know what it does? It makes you feel like you belong. It just changes everything when you put a cup in somebody's hand. And you start walking around, it's like you just belong in this place. It's just part of it. It's, it's about an environment of connecting you. Jesus connects them to the juice in the cup. You know, what's in the cup is kind of a big deal here. So he says, this cup's the new covenant in my blood. It's the new promise. I mean, the Old Testament and the sacrifices, that's God. I'm for you. I'm the sacrifice. I came for you. I'm going to take away sin if you believe in me. Will you remember this? I'm spilling my blood for you. So every time you do this, right? So he, he just does it in the same way. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says kind of something crazy. Every time you eat this bread, you know, you guys eat this and you put it in your mouth and you taste it, you smell it. And every time you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's that you proclaim my death until he comes. That's so, so Jesus is saying, you, I'm giving you this so that you can remember. Remember, because what's so brilliant about it is we weren't there. That's what memorials are all about. That's what the bread and the juice is all about. Now, that seems crazy, right? Tonight is about Jesus' birth. And yet, we're going to celebrate his death. Why in the world would we do that? Because all wrapped up into one, Jesus was born to die. Have you thought about that? He was born to die, to rise again. To defeat death. To destroy death. To cast death away. To, 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 to win. He says, I, when you eat this bread and this juice, I want you to remember that. Until I come. Meaning, at, at his birth here, this is the first time he's come. He's coming back. And you think Christmas is a great celebration. You think Christmas brings joy. You think Christmas is awesome, right? And full of joy. When he comes back, <laughs> that is going to be both a celebration and terrifying. You think the shepherds were terrified? The angels were, ter were terrifying, obviously, and Mary and everybody, they seem to, you know, give this message to you. They were terrified. You think all those people were terrified? I'm telling you, when Jesus returns, it's going to be awesome and terrifying all at the same time. So, when you go to that table and you come back and you come together just for a few minutes, we're supposed to remember what he's done. Christmas is about Jesus, Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> it's about Jesus. We make it about so many things. I make it about so many things. God is set out to bring you peace. He wants to do that. He will do that. And he will do that and glorify himself all at the same time. Because he can. And God does what he says he's going to do. Will you bow your head with me? 
Lord God, just before we go to the table, just before we really focus a minute here, remember, you also ask us to come in a worthy manner and to not be flipping about this. It's not that this table, Lord God, we know it's, just, it's not supposed to be solemn and just reverent necessarily. It's a celebration. But in just these moments, God, our heads are bowed before you. We want to push the reset button. We are sinful people that need to cast our sin under you, to confess it, to agree with you about our sin. This is a great night to do that. I don't know what's going on in your heart and what you've been doing and what you haven't been doing. Here's a moment where you can cast it all on the Lord. Would you take a moment and just agree with God about your sin? He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you so that you can just wallow in that forgiveness and that love and that care and that peace. That's what he says to do every time we go to this table. We're such weak and fragile people, Lord. We need you desperately. Without you, God, we're destined for destruction and no peace, just chaos without you, God. Would you bring peace into our hearts and our lives, Lord God? Forgive us of our transgressions, our trespasses, our sin, God. So that we can be fit vessels, clean ready to glorify you, to honor you, and to be at peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.